Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, we go native as we talk about putting enterprise-class storage capabilities natively inside the Azure public cloud. So settle back and enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to Tech Interviews. Uh, this is another recording from uh, while I'm here at NetApp Insight in Las Vegas. Um, and one of the areas that I'm particularly interested in while I'm here has been the development of the NetApp Cloud Business Unit and some of the things that they're putting together to solve some of the uh, genuinely challenging problems that we see as people move towards public cloud. Uh, one of the technologies I've been really interested in while I've been here is something that NetApp are doing in association with uh, Microsoft Azure. Um, so to help me go through that, I've been joined by uh, Lee Giles. Hi, Lee. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Uh, and how are you doing? How are you finding Insight this year? So far, so good. Busy as always. Yeah, so we're recording this on the first day, so it's not been too traumatic so far. I think that's fair to say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so uh, well, uh, before we get started, why don't you um, introduce yourself for the audience? Uh, sure. Let us know who you are, what it is you do at NetApp. Yeah, sure. So I'm Lee Giles. I manage our sales strategy at NetApp within the Cloud Data Services business, uh, business unit for Azure Net Files. Okay, so and that's that's kind of what we're going to talk about with uh, with this this kind of Azure. I, I'm going to say Azure. You're going to say Azure. Yeah. Uh, it's it's all lost in the translation. Um, but you know, we're, 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 that's that's kind of the area we're going to talk about. So, but maybe before we go into detail on, on what that is, um, what, what's kind of the, the context for why uh, Azure NetApp files exist at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I think that's something we answer quite a bit. Um, I think the really simple answer is Linux on Azure, right? I think that there's been a gap in Azure for some time around landing enterprise applications that are specifically living on, on Linux today and getting those to Azure. And frankly, it comes down to a lack of an NFS mount point. So the fact that this is filling a big gap with all the Linux VMs coming into Azure and running SAP and Citrix and Oracle, that we tend to sell a lot for on-prem. When those move to Azure without NFS, it makes it really, really difficult. So I think that's really, really, really simple is... I think the message that we're sending across the Microsoft team is Linux on Azure equates to NFS storage. So, because um, that's interesting, and maybe for a lot of people listening to this, that they may be using Linux VMs on Azure and, and perhaps don't know. Um, but so what, what's, what does the problem look like? So if they don't have some kind of... Um, some kind of storage that can deliver a service level or can deliver a consistent level of performance. What, what, yeah. what, how does that present itself to a customer? Yeah, so this has been a bit of a discovery for us as well as to what people do today without something like Azure Net Files, which is, a, again, native NFS mount points today, SMB's coming, but it's a very familiar way people architect storage on-prem. They buy a storage array, you create aggregates or capacity pools, you carve out volumes and mount them on VMs. Very similar, and it gives you all the availabilities and performance of a tier one bare metal storage array. When you move to Azure, without something like this, it, it, it's a little bit odd the way people ask to do storage. And the way that typically people do it is they carve a VM or create a VM. They would attach some locally attached disk to that VM. And then you could use some sort of file serving to share that across multiple NFS file servers. That's a pretty archaic way of doing things. Um, what it also tends to produce is when customers have a lot of VMs in Azure, where a lot of those VMs then have locally managed disk, you then have different disk pools and different islands of storage that are not managed together. They're not, there's no encryption. There's no shared. Um, it's not efficient like it is when you buy a purpose-built shared storage resource on-prem. And so trying to figure out how to not be so kludgy by doing locally managed disk on VMs or even doing you know, file servers, it's just not a familiar way people do it. The goal in this is to land 
Azure Net Files as a more common, familiar, easy way to create storage as a shared resource in Azure and then mount it onto VMs in a very similar way that you would on-prem. Yeah, and I think it's something you said to me earlier on, actually, about the idea that as people start to move and architect for things in the cloud, they start all the good practice that they've learned to do on-prem they start to kind of throw that away. And this sounds like a good example of that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point to make. And what we tend to be seeing is the people that might recognize a, a purpose-built storage array on-prem are not typically the people that are doing cloud today, right? The infrastructure people typically are not being consulted when the cloud side goes out and strings together workloads. And so the way that cloud person may be doing it, he may not know better. Yet when they bring in the infrastructure folks and says, hey, we got to put storage on, the storage guy goes, well, what are you doing? I've never seen this before. And so what we tend to think is some of those big enterprise apps that require or have justified millions of dollars of bare metal storage on-prem because of availability and performance, maybe it's sub-millisecond requirement. Yet when they go to Azure, suddenly they don't care about that. We have a real problem with that. You know, I think that there's a real flaw there that says... Azure Net Files really drives this concept of not compromising. You can now get the same experience, the same performance, the same availability in Azure because it's running on bare metal as you would if it were on-prem because it's the same underlying infrastructure. I think um, a really good point in there and something that I'd not really thought about until you just said it, but I think it's very true, is the idea that uh, you know, you're talking about the person who is the cloud architect maybe never talks to the person who's the on-prem architect and vice versa and of course because these things are very very different it sounds like kind of one of the goals for um, Azure NetApp Files is to try and give that that consistency of experience as well as consistency of performance you know, so that the kind of NFS uh, you know, NetApp type storage that they see on-prem you can replicate in the cloud and people can take that and architect things similarly again is that kind of a goal for what you're doing yeah yeah i think agility and speed comes from familiarity and to the extent that customers can go to azure create an array if you will or a capacity pool pick a sla of slow medium fast effectively tell it which region to be into carve out a volume and mount the volume and you can do that in two to three minutes that's a very familiar feeling. Now, it may not be familiar in terms of agility because landing that on-prem is a very different transaction. But once it's there and configured, the concept is that you're responding to tickets asking for storage to mount on a VM because an application guy needs some sort of storage for his application. I want that same experience here. And so I think that one of the big design principles was to be very fast, to be very familiar, and be very um, available behind it. So I, I kind of jokingly say a lot that this is stripping away all the, the difficult parts of storage and giving you just the great part. So uh, it's a Ferrari for 20 bucks an hour, and everyone wants a Ferrari for 20 bucks an hour. So it's giving you everything that everyone can agree is the good stuff without the minutia of the, the, the taxes of, of designing and aggregates and all the things you got to do. And effectively, it's a PaaS-like experience for Azure Net Files. Well, let's talk about that for a minute, because this is more than um, you know throwing kind of NetApp capability into the public cloud. There's, there's technically a lot more behind this. So I'll talk a little bit about um, how is your NetApp files is architected um, you know, and, and actually practically how it's deployed. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'll admit that, that while we're pretty good at this stuff, I don't know all the, the details of the, the way we're stringing together. But what I can tell you is, as you said a moment ago, a lot of the storage architecture in the cloud is not purpose-built bare metal flash arrays, like what people buy on-prem. They're bare disks, they're pools of disks that have a lot of software defined over the top of it. So you may not have performance or availability or features. We could all do that on-prem. We can go buy a box of disks and put some software on it, and we don't run that. That's not what we do on-prem, because it doesn't deliver what we want for critical apps like SAP or Oracle. 
So what we've landed on is delivering our all-flash arrays inside the Azure Data Center, such that Azure can now build a new service called Azure NAND Files. And effectively what that gives them is all the features and benefits and availability of that underlying flash array in very, very highly available clusters with a lot of complex networking, but do it in a very easy way. And so we've delivered a very PaaS, like I said earlier, PaaS-like experience, but still getting the benefits of all flash bare metal and completely through the Azure portal. So effectively, if a customer has an affinity to move those enterprise apps to Azure and they're running any on-prem file, it doesn't matter if it's us or any other of our competitors, it just becomes a protocol issue at that point. If you want to run SAP Oracle on Linux and Azure, then there's really only one solution called Azure NAND Files. You can run it native NFS. And again, soon SMB will be a part of that as well. Yeah, and this is, um, so, you know, so, and just to be clear as well, that, and you, you did describe it in there, that this is not about, um, you know, so, so this is not for people to be confused with kind of the private storage model where it's kind of NetApp storage, and, and other vendors do this as well, where it kind of sits near the cloud in the data center. This is genuinely kind of NetApp, on-tap, type te- or on-tap technology sat within Microsoft data centers. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we, we're, we're very lucky, very fortunate how this particular arrangement happened. We've had a very long 20, almost 20 year history with Microsoft, a lot of times just with running their workloads on-prem. Over the last couple of years with Microsoft reclassifying NetApp around a software and cloud enabling ISV, well, that's a very interesting place to be. Right? Huge validation about what we're trying to do to enable cloud for customers. Well, if they still want to buy our on-prem, we make plenty of it and we'll still do that. If they want hybrid, we now got, we have a cloud volumes on tap and now we have a cloud native relationship with Microsoft. I think it's it's a lot of benefit and it's a lot of kudos goes out to sales, it goes out to engineering, it goes out to product development, it goes out to a lot of work going on behind the scenes such that we are fully integrated into the Azure portal. Yes, there are NetApp private storage. Yes, there's Equinixes. Yes, there's Colos that are cloud adjacent. While those are viable for a lot, we didn't find that to be the alternative for this. We really, really felt like we needed to be inside the Azure portal such that this is not a NetApp product. Yet you also don't have some of the express route and VNet gateways and some of the taxes along with cloud adjacent. You've got a native private IP behind your VNet that you can just access this like any other Azure service. So it's really, really slick. Yeah, and it kind of gives you, well, it removes some of the problems that you get potentially with kind of that colo arrangement. You know, it just takes out potential networking problems. It takes out, a, you know, kind of a fault domain. You know, it's giving you a lot more. Uh, you know, a lot more robust and high-performance solution. It was interesting on the uh, stand that you've got at Insight here that uh, I was talking to a couple of your colleagues who were uh, the Microsoft folk on the stand, and I was interested on Microsoft's take on it. And again, they were saying that, you know, for them, why try and reinvent the wheel? You know, they've come to a market leader. They've come to somebody with a, you know, a great history in doing NFS in this case, and obviously with kind of SMB to come. Um, and see, you know, saw, saw the benefit in, let me just go to those guys, you know, and is, is that kind of feedback you hear from Microsoft as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that while we still have a lot of awareness to drive and a lot of people that don't know anything about it, we're driving a lot of that today from the NetApp side of it. Um, I think you're spot on. I think that while they may have looked at this technology to fill a gap and fill it very, very well without having to recreate the wheel, I think, frankly, that is the same way we felt, was if we wanted to build a cloud native we don't have to rebuild a framework and a support ticketing system and integration and telemetry. It's already there. And so effectively, all the hard work's been done in integrating behind the scenes into an existing framework that we don't have to go and redo. So I think it's very symbiotic, to be honest with you. I think it's we see a way to market that's very unique, and I think it validates our cloud-enabling story. 
while not having to do anything outside of what our wheelhouse already is, and again, vice versa on the Microsoft side. So you mentioned um, earlier on you kind of use the word hybrid, um, uh, you know, and I, and I see this as a kind of a, a technology that, that plays really well in that space. So I appreciate it's kind of early days for, for this as a service, but I, I mean, in terms of that kind of on-prem integration, you, what kind of um, what kind of capabilities can customers expect to see? Yeah, yeah, we would not be successful if long term we couldn't connect people with maybe on-prem on tap to their capacity pools or their Azure Net Files environment. But keep in mind that's a very difficult, non-trivial task. What we're talking about is a lot of firewalls and securities for customers to actually land a connection inside of an Azure data center. So that that's hard unto itself. But a lot of customers have on-prem and they want Snap or replication or cloning into their other site. And instead of their own second site or using a VM like Cloud Volumes ONTAP, which again is a wonderful solution, it's still IaaS and it's still managing. But if a customer wants that really clean integration between on-prem to Azure Net Files, that is absolutely our intent. Today, um, it is not available. Today, it is an Azure native, 100%. You connect it to VMs in Azure, or you can potentially create a volume and mount it on-prem. But a connection between those two ONTAP environments is probably something that's going to be out, again, plan of record, plan of intent, middle of next year. So we absolutely want to do that. How it'll look, I don't know. What it'll look like from either side, don't know yet. Right? What we're talking about is verbiages that are different. Replication or snap isn't a verbiage. It's really in the Azure lingo it is in ONTAP. And where do you kick that off? Do you kick it off from the Azure side or the on-prem side? There's a lot to be determined, but I think the good thing is we would not be successful without some sort of planning and intent about that connectivity. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's you know certainly our experience as well in, in the businesses we talk to. One of the big challenges they have with public cloud is that integration. So any service that starts to simplify that gives a level of consistency between what people see on-prem and what people can see in the cloud. You know, I, I'm kind of all for that kind of stuff, and, and I think it's going to be hugely important for for businesses and organisations going forward. So just to kind of wrap up, I mean, one thing I was interested in um, was what are some of the use cases that you've currently seen? So with the work you're doing already, I know you've kind of previewed with with some some kind of cases with some customers and I appreciate you probably can't mention who they are but but what have you seen people doing with this kind of service yeah yeah well I think there's two ways I could answer that I think the one way is to go kind of retreat back to what our our main most impactful message is that makes it really simple is Linux on Azure right well I think NetApp aspires and I aspire to talk to customers about the application layer the fact is we are still an infrastructure provider and so Kind of laughingly, what I'd say is, Mr. Customer, if you have a critical app that justifies on-prem tier one storage and you're moving that to Azure and it happens to be Linux, this is a no-brainer, right? It's the same experience. It's the same hardware. It's the same protocol. It's the same familiarity. We remove the on-tap and all of the IaaS-like touching and go to more of a service. It's all completely managed. But ultimately, if you're running Linux in Azure, this is a no-brainer. And so the joking lead I say to people is whether you're running SAP or Oracle or Citrix or Hadoop or HPC, um, you'd be running grandma's cookbook on Linux, right? If it needs NFS, then this is the only solution because there's just no other native solution for NFS in Azure today. And that's, I think, the biggest benefit. Um, but if we talk about the application, there are a ton of customers starting to migrate SAP and Citrix and Oracle. Some of those key, classic heavy enterprise workloads that they want to get out of. And maybe that expands into EDA and Teradata and some of these other kind of interesting things. But we still have to resort back to what are people using on-prem enterprise file for today? And I don't care what they say. If they've justified the cost of what an on-prem tier one storage array is and they're moving that app to Azure, then we're good. 
effectively with a bare metal device behind it. I don't care if it's us or someone else. If they're moving to Azure, this is the solution they need to be considering. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think that, you know, for all the reasons we've talked about, you, you know, this idea that people need to be able to architect their solutions that are based in the cloud. And, and architect, I use the word architect purposely, that you know, they need to architect the things they put in the cloud. Don't just assume that what you do on-prem works, but you should also be able to architect into that the same kind of, as you said before, you know, the same kind of thing that you've maybe spent a million dollars on getting right on-prem. You need to be able to get right inside of native cloud services, That's you know, right. rather than cobbling into that something that sits in a data center or some you know torturous connection back to back to your own data center yeah. i want to add something to that just kind of off the cuff here i think there's a common question that says well this has got to be cheaper like the cloud's got it this has got to be cheaper than on-prem or else i won't do it and i want to caution people on that i think it's in kind of my 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 mind's eye when i start thinking about these things i always want to say to someone well who said cloud was cheaper right when we talk to customers who are looking to save money this may not be the right solution right Enterprise storage is expensive anywhere you go. It doesn't matter if it's in the cloud or if it's on-prem. From any vendor, it's an expensive thing to buy. But I also look at it and say, well, what is expense detail? What does it entail, I should say? There's people costs, there's physical, there's there's buying it, there's a capital purchase, there's planning it out for the next two or three years, and hopefully you've made the right decisions. You've got lots of different business units that want to share. There's so many other things that go into a transaction and a capital purchase that I think you've got to look at in a way... I've got the ability to go spin up resources in the cloud or Azure specifically, some VMs of any size I want, spin up some capacity in an extreme sub-millisecond, hundreds of thousands of IOPS for an analytical job for one hour. And maybe I get that job done in an hour and I can shut it all off. I can't do that on-prem. I can't do that in a capital purchase. I can go spend a few thousand dollars in Azure and get the benefits of everything I can never do on-prem. And so I find that savings. I find that agility time to market, speed, you know, just the ability and flexibility to go do things and get an outcome. So if we think about from an outcome perspective, I find cloud to be an accelerator to outcome versus, oh, it's going to cost more because maybe it won't. Maybe you only need it for a month. But if you bought a million dollar storage array on-prem, you've got it for three years. And so I think people get that concept. But I, I want to just caution that it's not always a price game. It may be more expensive if you amortize it out but the outcome may take a lot longer. So I think that's the benefit of something like this. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because it ties in. Uh, I did a show recently where we talked about VMware on AWS, and one of the conversations that came out of that was this idea that what that allowed you to do was to architect a solution sat inside of AWS in this case, sat inside their, their cloud, and once you'd architected and, and used it for innovation, as you were saying before, you know, that allowed you to have the speed of innovation that the public cloud gives. But once it was architected, you could then have a proper conversation about, now, where's the best place to run this? And it sounds very similar. You know, if you can architect in, in Azure using kind of the same kind of file services, using Azure NetApp files underneath, that means I've architected that now. And whatever, wherever I want to run this, if I want to move this back on-prem, the architecture now looks exactly the same. You know, it's not some kind of... You know, it's not some kind of black box public cloud architecture that's that sits right. underneath that's it. Right. So, so I think, you know, that, that kind of sits in nicely with what we said before, that idea that anything that we develop now, we should be looking at how do I tie that together? Because on-prem data centers are going to be here for a long time to come, I think, for, for many Absolutely. of us. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that you have to go back to the protocol. I'm not necessarily concerned if it's a NetApp box or a Isilon or a, you know, Cumulo. It's a new startup in Seattle. I don't care about that, right? There's different use cases for different things, but ultimately, if you retreat back to the protocol, NFS 3, NFS 4, NFS 4.1, SMB 3, that's really what is the common ground here, right? The rest of it is just feature set. The box is made from the same place all over the place. So 
if I have NFS4, NFS3 on-prem, and I want NFS3 in Azure, I, that's migratable, right? It's very easy to move things around. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a big fan of egress and having the ability to yank it back out. I think this is going to become a very persistent type of service that people want and will continue to use. But again, having that flexibility of taking it back and just literally lifting up and dropping it. I don't want to use the term of lift and shift, but it is. If that familiarity is so clean, I'm using an NFS enterprise on-prem and I need that in Azure, look, I can't solve for VM issues. I can't solve for availability. I can't solve for load balancing. When it comes to figuring out the storage piece of it, I can probably accelerate a decision to move your enterprise apps to Azure in the storage space in weeks, right? Instead of a week-long figure out a new way to do it that's unfamiliar, this is a 30-second conversation now, which is just, I think, highly enabling. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that, that whole idea of enterprise quality data services sat on top of native public cloud. I think it's a really interesting space. Now, certainly the enterprises I talk to are, are very interested in that because it ties into a whole bunch of other things that they're currently doing on-prem in the way that they look after their data, you know, being able to do that natively inside a public cloud, which yeah. is probably something they can't do right now. I think any service that starts to offer that, which is why I think what NetApp are doing here with, with Azure, but also some of the stuff they're doing with AWS and Google along the same lines is a is a really interesting piece. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I find, I find it's a fascinating technology, but if so, if people are interested in what we've talked about today, want to find out a little bit more about uh, Azure NetApp Files, maybe even try to service out. Yeah. Um, and, and if people want to kind of ping questions to you, what, what are, or to your team, what's a good way to do that? Yeah, so a couple ways. If you want to be involved in kicking the tires on the service, Microsoft has a three-step process of developing products, a private preview, public preview, and GA. We are approaching public preview here eminently. I think it's, you know, I want to say Knockwood, it's a couple weeks away where customers can actually join it. If you'd like to do that, please reach out to Lee.Giles and NetApp.com. I'm happy to get you onto that priority list. We would need your Azure subscription, and then we'll, we'll get you in in a set of waves. This is not a service that's going to be publicly available for a while because we're monitoring scale. This is... I mean, it's potentially someone could come in and tip it over, right? It is a physical device that has limitations. Now, they're very, very high, but we want to make sure we have the right people and the right workloads and the right experience. So reach out to us. We'll get you in the public preview. The intent today is GA closer to the end of the year, if not first of calendar year, um, both in the east and the west to Azure regions. Okay, and if people want to kind of um, also find out more detail, netapp.com, or is there anywhere particular they can go? Yeah, just go search the azure.com site and just put in Azure Net Files and you'll find it fairly easily. Okay, Lee, look, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. I know uh, sessions like this are real busy for you guys, and, and we struggled on manfully through the background noise of Insight Central. So, um, hey, Lee, thanks very much, and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Paul. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. Next week, I chat with Greg Nearman about the interesting and exciting developments that have kept him working inside the data industry. So if you want to make sure you catch that show, why not subscribe? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. So until next time, thanks for listening. 